have a wonderful guest, very smart, intelligent, Dr. Dolores Lee. And she's from Evergreen Health Clinic in Mighty. And she's going to tell you a little bit about herself and her clinic. Okay. Buenas and half a day, Jen. Um, and I guess to our listeners as well. Um, well, I was born and raised here on Guam. Yay. Southern girl, graduated Notre Dame Woo-hoo. High School. Uh, did my undergrad at Gonzaga University. Um, and then was fortunate enough to attend medical school um, at the University of Hawaii at Manoa, John A. Burst School of Medicine. Wow. Um, and then I completed residency there um, in the Department of Family Medicine at wow. University of Hawaii as well. Um, so I'm happy to say I've been home for about three years now, and Yay. I'm currently practicing at Evergreen Health Center in Mighty. Beautiful clinic. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't seen it, you should stop by, and they got a new pharmacy. Mm-hmm. Beautiful clinic. Um, tell us more about your new clinic real quick. Okay. Uh, well, you know, in terms of where, I guess a small practice you would see, you know, it's myself and one other doctor, Dr. Ohadi, and um, I'm family medicine, and he's internal medicine as well as uh, geriatrics. Um, and then we do have uh, currently the only gastroenterologist who practices Yay. here on Guam, and he um, splits his time between here and the Bay Area, and he's uh, Dr. Frank Farrell, um, and he'll be here again at the end of August and first part of September. And so gastro, ladies and gentlemen, you got st- you got some issues going on with your belly, mm-hmm. your stomach, um, ulcers, chronic ulcers, mm-hmm. stomach aches, pains. This the, is this the clinic to go to. Check him out and mm-hmm. see if he can help you resolve those gastrointestinal issues that you may be having and you could be happy, happy when you walk out the door. <laughs> so today's topic is we've decided to talk about one of the latest and greatest trends in, in immunizations here on Guam, um, and that's called the HPV vaccination. Yes. While it's not mandatory required, mm-hmm. it, it's an optional vaccination, immunization, and both Dr. Lee and I are big supporters of the HPV vaccination. And so just tell us how common today, Dr. Lee, is the HPV um, in today's millennium era? Okay. Okay. I mean, definitely, you know, so let's talk about what HPV is. Yes. And, you know, definitely, you know, before I go into it, just I always, you know, think back to my undergrad days um, to one of my favorite professors, Papa Powell, Dr. Peter Powell. And he would always ask us, like, so what? Like, what is the big deal? Like, why do we need to do stuff? Or what is the relevance of it? You know, and so before I get into, you know, talking about the virus, I really just want to talk about like why we wanted you know why we're endorsing this vaccine why you know CDC is saying it should be a routine vaccine along with um, meningococcal and Tdap for ages 11 to 12 and the reason being is that it's a vaccine that protects against cancer I mean if we're going to put it very easily that's what we're going to see you know and I think um, you know just coming from a little bit of history again still talking about the same professor Dr. Powell I remember sitting in my advanced immunology class in the 90s and Yes, I'm not afraid to to age myself, okay, (laughs) in the 90s and sitting there talking about, you know, what would be, you know, uh, immunological advancement that would really have a large impact or benefit for our population. And one of the novel ideas we talked about was a vaccine against cancer. So I think it's an amazing sort of thing to, you know, to be sitting here across you today and talking about, um, you know, this vaccine as a reality, you know, something that is in practice and that is available and protects against cancer. Now, I guess let's just try to understand it a little bit, right? And you asked me, you know, how common is HPV? So HPV is a viral infection. 
and arguably it's the most commonly sexually transmitted infection in the United States. The CDC has even issued a statement stating that almost every person in their lifetime will be affected, uh, infected with HPV at one point or another. Uh-huh. Um, you know, in terms of the estimates, it's about 80 to 90 percent of the population with HPV infection. Wow, even nuns and priests? Well, I don't, I, you know, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. <laughs> so that's Andy Wheeler, ladies okay. and gentlemen. Okay. Um, Andy, what's what? I mean, let's talk real quick. Uh, she brought up an excellent point. It's one of the greatest vaccines, um, preventive cancer. Has cancer impacted your life? Do of course, you know people? everyone. I just hosted a fundraiser last night for Zachary, who is fighting uh, a very, very rare cancer. Uh, and so I've been to many, many fundraisers. Many friends, family uh, have obviously fought it. Uh, doing Relay for Life, you see the survivors. And I love the fact that every year there are more and more survivors in that survivor march, getting into the 10, 15, 20-year-plus range. So whatever is happening in the medical community, obviously it's working. All the funding, the research, uh, the, the advancements that are being made, uh, they are working because there are more survivors. It's not a super rare thing to see cancer survivors I agree. that are living their lives. I agree. We have so many that beat it and fought it. And, yeah. And, and my, my aunt... She she, she beat it. She, she beat uh, it. yeah, she Yay. beat it, and she's living her life now. So my aunt uh, too beat uh, it. I mean, it. you know, yeah. you can just go down the list of family members that you know uh, that have uh, all the varying types of it. Yes. Um, but I do have a lot of questions sure. about this. I don't want to interrupt yeah. your conversation too yes. much. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. You mentioned that you you both support this. I Are do. there those that do not support the HPV vaccine, and why would they not support something like this? Well, I think it's more, not more or less that they don't support it. They just don't um, look at it as a routine vaccine. When we say routine, it means that it's on the schedule for, um, from CDC in terms of the vaccines that we should give to certain age groups. And so, because it's a new, you know, relatively new vaccine, I believe came out in 2006 and you know I'm sorry for medicine that can still be very new you know I know it's 2019 but in the medical field that still can be very new Um, I think that you know uh, especially if you know this wasn't around when you weren't doing your residency training and if it wasn't you know in terms of preventative medicine is not something that you know is necessarily in your scope of practice or something that you're thinking about all the time you know um, you're you're you know I think that all doctors are aware of it but in regards to just knowing how strong the endorsement for it is maybe not so much mm. and um, you know in terms of like uh, you know there have been experiences where you know patients will go in and you know of course the doctors because Tdap and meningococcal have been around longer you know will definitely make a strong recommendation for that and then just kind of throw in and oh yeah by the way maybe you might want to do HPV and we're really trying to change that mindset mm. we're really trying to tell them that this is no longer an optional vaccine you know this this vaccine has been around for over 10 years we have good evidence to support it efficacy as well as its safety and you know and the way I put it you know simply just to share a little bit from my background and maybe why the conviction is so strong my mom had cancer three times Mm. my sister is currently receiving treatment for breast cancer you know um, and so cancer is a very very real experience in our family and just like any other family on Guam I think we've all been touched with cancer at one point and so whenever I give these talks um, you know just to raise awareness about HPV as well as 
I even do provider education for this. Whenever I do these talks, I really say, you, you know, the greatest gift we can give our our family is good health, right? And maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a doctor when I say that, right? You know, I guess aside from love, right? You know, a way to express our love is to give them good health. And if you, you know, and, and coming... Feed them too. Right. Well, yes, well, culturally, right? Very important. Andy's been living on Guam a long time. Right. But, you know... Um, if you could do anything for your children or a family member to protect them against cancer, why wouldn't you? But one of the sad things, mm-hmm. and, I, and, I'm, I, and I don't really know right. why, maybe you can Thank tell you. me, is so as soon as it came out, I wanted to get the vaccine. The vaccination series stops at the age of 26, so I'm not going to tell you my age, but... Oh, 27, mm-hmm. dang it. Yes, I barely oh, missed it by one year, okay. right? So the dosing is the CDC recommends you start it at the ages of nine. You can start it as early as 9. Um, and all the way from 9 to 14, you're going to get two doses. 15 to the age of 26, you'll get three doses. Mm-hmm. Because for some reason, you become more immunized when you're younger, so you only need two doses. Mm-hmm. But why does it stop? This is what I don't know. Why does it stop at 26? I was 27, Doc. Okay. And I just missed it by one year. Yeah, No, 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 definitely. I mean, you're, believe me, Jen, you're not the only um, you know person in that age category who says to me, well, why can't I get the vaccine as well? Okay. And they're, you know, I'll talk about like, I guess the guidelines first, and then I'll talk about the science in regards to, you know, the recommendation. So first in regards to the guidelines, you know that all of these guidelines in regards to when we give vaccines again, are going to be guided by CDC as well as ACIP. Um, But additionally, you know, prior to, before we can even set guidelines for use in the population has to be FDA approved. Food and Drug Administration has to approve use of this. So of course there's years of research that goes into, you know, the efficacy as well as safety. Now, you know, when the vaccine first came out, you know, I'm, you know, again, um, I may be mistaken with this, but my understanding is just, we just didn't have the research to support it for use past 26. And so that's why when when the vaccine first came out. You can take it. But it's not approved right. and the right. stamp and letter right. and, you know, right. tested on adults. My doctor wouldn't give it to yeah. It's going through the process yeah. or whatever. Right. That's what I was thinking. Right. Yeah. So just we just didn't have the research for it, you know, for that particular age group. I'm happy to tell you that as of last year, the FDA has actually approved use of this vaccine up to age 45. What? Because we now have the research Serious? for it. Yes. Well, now that I'm 28. I'm going back. Now that I'm 28. But here's the huge. Great news. But here's the hugest stumbling block in all of that. In regards to the guidelines, right, CDC, ACIP, in regards to them coming to a consensus statement about expanding the age group for its usage, that consensus statement has not been released yet. And as a result of that, you know, and it really comes down, you know, for a lot of families, it really comes down to to whether insurance is going to cover it. You know, because I'm not going to lie, it is, it costs over $100 a dose. And so, you know, might have to wait until you're 29 or 30, you know, until the guidelines actually endorse it to you so that the insurance coverage will kick in for it. Um, so really, that's kind of what we're waiting for. But Gov Guam has actually been nice, and okay. they've done some free HPV oh, that's clinics. Great. Um, I've actually volunteered at a couple of them, and, and it really is free. They, they don't they don't they just you just fill out your name and and your your information and they give you so Great. that's nice um, mm-hmm. but it's always till supplies last right? right so you could be in line for two hours and then you're one hour into line they ran out and you're, you just mm-hmm. you just ran out so sure. that's the way sure. it works yeah, yeah. 
All right. Okay. So both boys and girls can get it. Yes. Right? Definitely. And we definitely Why do we want, want boys to get it. Why okay. do we recommend it to Andy if it's primarily uh, um, for women? Why does Andy get to get it too? Okay. So let's talk about it. I'm so, a with my feminine side. <laughs> <laughs> you know and, we, and we appreciate it. We appreciate that, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so let's talk about it. So, you know, um, HPV infection is not just associated with cervical cancer. I think, you know, and cervical cancer, you know, just to explain, I, it's a teacher in me. I used to be a teacher, so I just like to break it down a little bit more. So what is the cervix? Um, the cervix is what connects the vagina or birth canal to the uh, womb or the uterus. Okay. So, and it's just not a visible portion on your body, right? But it is, you know, in, in a female, right? I'm talking about a womb and a birth canal. And so, you know, HPV infection has been most commonly associated with cervical cancer because, you know, arguably they, you know, um, they say that it's probably responsible for all, but when we look at the data, it's over 90%, and that's where that statement comes from. Over 90% of cases of cervical cancer associated with uh, HPV infection. But HPV infection is also associated with other types of cancers. Let's talk about what they are. Um, oropharyngeal cancer. When we say oropharyngeal, we're talking about the base of the tongue, tonsils, and the back of your throat. Now, both men and women have that, right? Yep. You know, it's also associated with vulvar and vaginal cancer, which again, would be in a female. Yep. Um, it's associated with penile cancer, which would be in a male. Oh, yes. And it is also associated with uh, anal cancer, and that would be for both men and women. So in regards to, you know, why why do we need to vaccinate men? Well, because they're also part of the population that gets diagnosed with cancers that are associated with HPV infection. But again, as I stated before, this is uh, HPV infection is arguably the most commonly sexu sexually transmitted infection in the United States. And so, you know, in regards to if your, you know, partner's a male, right, that may right, be right, where right. the source of the infection is from. So let's talk real quick okay. about who can't get it. So okay. I know pregnant women can't get it. Mm -hmm. What other medical diagnoses, uh, categories of patients? If I actively have cancer, mm -hmm. I, I obviously can't get HPV. If I'm actively been diagnosed with cancer, I, well, not, I have to wait till it resolves. Not, or? not so much. I think okay. you know. Let's let's go through it, right? You know, in terms of like, why would we have contraindications or say that no patient should not get it? Okay. okay. So first, we'll talk about the first group we talked about: pregnant women. It's not so much that um, we have any documented evidence that the vaccine is harmful to pregnant women um, or harmful to the fetus in terms of women who are pregnant who receive the vaccine, um, it's just not recommended because we don't have the studies to demonstrate the safety. No one does research oh, okay. on pregnant women. Okay. okay? Yeah. So that's why it's not recommended. Now, if you were well, pregnant... That's good to know, though. Right? I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought there was... Okay. Yeah. That's good to know, ladies. So, so, so you're not... We can't tell you either way. Right. So we'd rather not. We'd rather not. Yeah. Yeah. We'd rather not. But a pregnancy test is not required prior to receiving the vaccine. Okay. okay? And it's just... And that, you know, if you did receive the vaccine while you were pregnant and there were some questions about adverse effects, we do recommend that you report that to the manufacturer because that goes into okay. the research data, right, to further okay. um, help with the development of guidelines. Okay. okay? okay. Um, you know, now, if you're a cancer patient actually actively receiving, um, you know, chemotherapy or one of the, you know, radiation therapy, something that would be, you know, suppressing your immune system, then it wouldn't make sense to receive the vaccine. Got it. Okay. And let's, you know, and just so that I can make that a little bit more clear, the way vaccines work is that, you know, vaccines are there to kind of um, help our immune system understand what they should be attacking 
and you know basically uh, run them through a drill so that they're ready so that the next time they see it the response is going to be stronger okay that's and so if we're currently receiving a treatment that's kind of suppressing that system it doesn't really make sense to receive the vaccine at that point in time it's not so much that you can't receive it because we in fact we really strongly endorse that patients who are other in other immunocompromised states you know such as hiv yes we really strongly endorse that they do receive the vaccine okay. because we are trying to to get the immune system to say hey look this is this is your target can we get you to practice maybe make some you know um, antibodies against this so that we're a little bit quicker in our response because we know you know from the immunological level that with every exposure to an antigen right an antigen could be you know virion virus bacteria with every exposure the response is stronger okay and that's exactly what vaccines are trying to do okay how about patients with autoimmune disorders okay. bleeding disorders are they permitted to get the they HPV are permitted vaccine? to get it provided that you know i would say if, again with immune disorders again we're still okay to do it and okay. we endorse it you know okay. with the bleeding disorders we just got to watch for the bleed because of the injection right okay. it is it is an injection so got just just got to watch right in terms of just yes, pressure yes, pressure yes, to the yes, area yes. um people who are it's really contraindicated against are people who have any demonstrated hypersensitivity or allergic reaction to any component of the vaccine okay. so i would say that one of the things i asked for you know prior to giving any vaccine and you know my patients always look at me because they're like dr lee likes to ask a lot of questions <laughs> um i, I hope so <laughs> one of the things i always ask is any previous bad reaction to any shots you know and that just so we can give us an idea you know and, and to ask them well what kind of reaction yes. was it you know um and the other thing is just that even though um being sick is not really a contraindication for vaccines we still recommend against it because man you know if you're already not feeling well i really don't want to give you an injection that's going to cause you pain yeah the other component to that like i was saying is that vaccines work by activating your immune system you know and one of like the most common misconceptions that patients have is that oh the, the vaccine made me sick the shot made me sick that's actually not true you know you're on, talking can, about the yeah, flu shot yeah can, cannot make you sick <laughs> well no, cannot 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 make you sick you know <laughs> okay. and I, what i do tell them though is this you know um yes i acknowledge that you're going to have maybe a low grade temperature you're going to feel feverish you're going to feel tired mm -hmm. you're going to feel that malaise that body ache Mm -hmm. And what I tell them is that's not a consequence of the vaccine. Yeah. That is a consequence of the vaccine activating your immune system. Whenever we are sick and we have fever and we have the malaise, the body ache, you know, the fatigue, that's a result of the immune modulators that your body's actually releasing into the system as part of your immune response. So I tell the mobilization of the troops. Yes, so that's right. Speak. Exactly, Andy. That's one. That's that's, that's definitely one of the analogies I use when describing the immune system. Yeah. And so what. I tell them, I, you know, I basically tell them, I'm like, hey, you're actually the perfect person to get vaccines because it says that your body actually has a strong immune response to them. So the vaccines actually be more effective in you than it would be in somebody who has a more mild response to vaccines. Got it. Got it. And, okay. And all from, right. I get yeah. it. And from a nursing perspective, after we give you the HPV vaccination, we always require you to wait 15 yes. minutes afterwards. Yes. And that's just to make sure that um, you don't have any bouts of dizziness. 
dizziness, uh-huh. headache, nausea, vomiting, um, want, you know, fainting. And so we just make sure that, and, and like uh-huh. Dr. Lee said, it's just a reaction. Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't mean you're allergic uh-huh. to the HPV um, vaccine. So you could still get the second dose or the third dose. It just means that you, you're reacting, your immune system's reacting to it. Uh-huh. An allergic, true allergic reaction is you'll have difficulty breathing, right. swelling, right. Okay. you'll have hives, and then we'll know for sure that you are allergic to the HPV vaccination. But if you just have some nausea, vomiting, dizziness, that just means your immune system's responding positively right. to it. Definitely. Yeah, so we keep you 15 minutes afterwards. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh-huh. Um, what symptoms do we look out for if we think we've actually got the HIP, HPV virus and we never got the okay. shot and then... You know, what, what do we look for? Well, you know, that's that's and that's the reason why like vaccination is so important for this, because, you know, we say that this is, you know, pro- probably everybody at one point in their lifetime has this infection. And, you know, I, I'm, and, I, and I and I and I know that people and I know that people are my OB, you know, I know that people are um, skeptical because they'll be like, well, I never felt like I had this infection yeah, I mean, and, and I, I don't think I've ever had any We're symptoms. Uh, we're not you know, one of the I'm, I'm not you're talking about. What, right? you, I guess you're part of that less than 10%, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Me and you know, Andy are part of that, that less than less 10%. Than 90% out you there. Know? Tell us. But the truth of the matter is there are no symptoms. And that's what makes this infection dangerous, okay? Um, you know, but, you know, very honestly, for the most part, your body's going to be able to figure this out. Your body will be able to te- detect this virus, you know, whether immediately or eventually. Mm-hmm. And it will be able to mount an immune response against it and get rid of the infection. Now, when does the infection become dangerous? You know, I was honestly just reviewing the literature this morning. Um, they say that, you know, for the most part, we'll be rid of most of these infections within 12 months, okay? okay, okay. Um, but but, you know, they say that it's the infections that last longer than 12 months. And again, completely undetected because you have no symptoms that last greater than 12 months that results in those changes that lead to precancer and then cancer. And so that's why, you know, um, when we're, t- we're dealing with an infection that has no symptoms, no way for you to be like, hey, I think I need to get checked, you know. And we have very limited screening um, in regards to being able to detect it in the population. Um, I think it's very important to take these proactive steps to help protect against infection. So one of the things you you've highlighted mm-hmm. is that it's a sexually transmitted mm-hmm. virus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, million-dollar question, can a virgin get it? Okay. Um, well, it depends on your definition of virgin, right? right? Oh, yeah. You know, right? it depends right. on your definition yeah, yeah, of virgin. Right. And I'm sorry if this is going to be very frank talk, right. but, no, you know, um, you know, but, you know, in, in the healthcare, um, you know, in being a healthcare professional, I cannot, you know, we cannot shy away from these topics. This is part yes. of our health. Yes, okay? absolutely. Um, and, you know, we can't shy away from them. Now, let's just talk about how it's transmitted, right? Okay. 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 Um, so it's a virus that, you know, infects the skin, the epithelia yes. and mucosal surfaces, okay? And so how is it transmitted? It can be transmitted through, you know, anal sex, vaginal sex, yes. and oral sex. And that's yeah. why I said it depends yeah. on your definition, okay, in regards to what do you mean by virgin? No sexual activity at all or no penetrative sex at all, you know? You're right. You're but right. additionally, you know, um, you have to understand that it's, you know, not just the act itself, but even close skin-to-skin contact 
tank, you know, during sexual activity would be enough to transmit the infection. Okay, okay. So one of the things we do recommend is we recommend that you get the HPV vaccination before you become sexually mm-hmm. active. And, and we just talked about different definitions of being sexually active. So can an individual still get it? once they become sexually active. Yes, most certainly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. At any phase. At any phase. I've you already know, had two kids. It, at I, any phase. I'm 20. You know, no, you're within the FDA approved, so. you know. Um, no, with any phase. And the reason being is that there is more than one type of HPV virus. Okay. There are over 200 types. You know, 40 have been linked to infection. Um, you know, two of them we identified as being very high risk for cancer. You know, two we identified, um, you know, in terms of like with genital warts. You know, um, and the current actually the current vaccine protects against nine types, seven of which are associated with cancer. So, you know, when we talk about and that's why we say that this is a very widespread infection, because we're talking about many different types of one virus, you know, one virus or they all belong to the same family. Right. Um, And so, you know, do you you know, do we just just because you've been sexually active or you've had children, do we stop? No, we don't. You know, I think that there's still the potential there to be able to protect you um, and to be able to, you know, I guess, help your immune system along to protect you in regards to helping your immune system to clear this infection. Because remember what I was saying earlier, the key thing to this is being able to get rid of this infection in a timely fashion. Yes. Okay. And if we have, if our immune system is uh, already ramped up or has already had practice at this, the second response will be stronger and faster. Um, Then I think that, you know, it's still going to be beneficial regardless of what the sexual activity or experience has been. Well, there you go, ladies and Easier gentlemen. Easier to prevent it than to cure Amen. it. And Hallelujah. I yeah. totally agree. Yes. Yes. You've said so much and you've informed us with so much information. Is there any other topics or areas that you would like to bring up real quick um, that you think we haven't addressed already? Um, no, you know, I, th- I think that, again, you know, just want to, you know, just bottom line, you know, hey, please say yes when your doctor asks you about this <laughs> vaccine. It's yes, a vaccine. Please say yes. You know, and you can ask my pediatric patients when they come in I actually ask them do you know what we're what we're giving you shots for today you know at least my my adolescents at least you know my my tweens to my teenagers to even my patients in their 20s I always ask them I say do you know what we're what we're going to do today do you know why we're giving you these vaccines and man you know I really have to give you know my my pediatric colleagues a pat on the back because when I have a pediatric patient who's in his or her her teens and they come in for either their second or third HPV shot with me and they can tell me, yes, doc, you're giving me a vaccine against cancer. Wow. That just makes my heart smile Mm. because that's what this is about. You know, this is about, you know, protection against cancer, you know, something that is very widespread in this community and that has had a very personal, right? Very, very personal impact, I think, on every single person in this community. Um, And that just understand mom and dad, this isn't an optional vaccine. This is part of the recommended CDC guidelines, you know, in regards to and the ACIP guidelines for this age group. We recommend starting at 11 and 12, and the only reason why we recommend that is because that's when you come in to get your meningococcal as well as your Tdap. And so, you know, we can start as early as 9, you know, as per the current guidelines for um, healthy men who are not in an at-risk category, we can go up to age 21. And I'm only saying this just because that's where the insurance coverage is, okay? And then as for women, we can go up to age 26, you know? But again, we do 
have hope. The FDA has proved, approved use of it up to age 45. We're just waiting for the guidelines to catch up so that insurance coverage can also take care of it. That is great advice, Dr. Lee. Thank you so much for educating all of us on HPV um, vaccination, the importance of it, um, to promote it, to prevent cancer, to prevent the HPV virus. We really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to us today on Spotify, Apple Tunes, and iTunes. Tune in again next week. Um, we are glad you joined us. Goodbye. Okay.